Today we're welcoming a new show on Hulu by discussing the first three episodes that dropped April 26th. Saint X stars Alicia Debnam Carey, best known for her work on Fear of the Walking Dead and The 100. The show is part murder mystery, part psychological thriller, and the whole thing is based on a book by Alexis Shakin. It's April 28th and you're listening to today's episode. was my sister or what happened to my sister which one does this show focus more on um what happened to my sister right because who was my sister was more what the book focused on but lila gerstein the one that created the show decided to kind of shift it because she thought that it would help with this eight at eight part series well yeah i watched the first three episodes a lovely nowhere woman is fickle and men of interest right. and all three episodes tell you right off the bat what happens but not how it happened and then we're getting the slow trickle of how it happened. And really the main character's venture, Emily's adventure, is to find out exactly, I guess, the mystery of that night with her sister 20 years later. But um, I guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit. First, I wanted to just ask you, um, there's a ton of production companies on this show, right? <laughs> yeah. You've got ABC Signature, which is owned by Disney, mm -hmm. but it's on Hulu. You have Anonymous Content, which is Mr. Robot's old uh, production company, and then you have Drake's Media yeah, Company. You have, Why is Drake involved in this? Well, not only Drake, you also have Future. He's a rapper. Jason Shriver, he's an executive producer of Euphoria, and Steven Perlman, who produced Once Upon a Time in V. And it becomes all the weirder when you take into account that Alexis Shaikin, the person that we said already wrote the first book, yeah. has only written two books since, and Saint X was actually her first one. And when was that written? Uh, February 2020. Okay, so that's it's fairly recent. And just like The Killing, Twin Peaks, Mare of Easttown, you have a murdered teenage girl found near or in water the first episode, within the first few minutes. Yeah, that sounds exactly like Mare of Easttown. Yeah, but this specific murder happened on a Caribbean island, I think St. Martin, because there is an actual Indigo Bay, and I looked it up and it is in St. Martin, which is really close to Aruba. And that brings me to my biggest point, which this book that it was based on must have been influenced by the Natalie Holloway case that took place 20 years ago because th there are so many similarities. First of huh. all, 20 years ago, 18 to 19 year old girl goes missing on vacation on a Caribbean island last seen with a couple of locals at a bar. All the prospects in the world for this girl. She comes from an affluent family. It becomes headline news. Her family is very public about it. No one knows exactly what happened. The implications on the island, which the economy runs on tourism there. So they want this whole thing wrapped up fast. Aruba's motto is one happy island versus St. <laughs> Martin's in Digo Bay is come to paradise. It's virtually yeah, the same thing. There are a couple differences. Natalie Hallway was never found. And I remember when I was on the island a month later as a kid and I could still hear the helicopters going around the island trying to look for her body, like that was a big deal. They were still, and in this show, they find her relatively quickly within the end of the week. By the time their vacation is over. Oh, actually, over. they're able to find her. Yeah, they, again, in the first few minutes, we see her dead body. She says murder mystery, yeah. I yeah, know that and, they, they did shoot it in the Dominican Republic for the present timeline and I forgot who coined the term, but I did learn that this show was kind of focusing on what people say white girl missing i think is the term syndrome where it's like if it's a white girl then the news is going to just explode all over and that's what happened with natalie hallway her mom stayed in, on the island for so long making sure that it got the media attention that she wanted it to it didn't help find an answer the people that they were mainly suspect of 
are probably guilty. Like the guy who ended up being the main suspect went to jail later on in his life right. for killing someone in a different country. So like, but they just never found her. There are other differences though. Like her family does leave in this um, by the end of their vacation. Also, Aruba versus St. Martin, there is a little bit of difference between the two islands. Sorry, can I guess? So you're saying yeah, the family decides to leave even though their daughter went missing? Well, they have another daughter and they have to take care of her. And they do go on to make public appearances to make like, but, but once the cops come in and say it was an accident, they rule it an accident. Which isn't the case. In, yeah, right. Yeah. Once that happens, then they have to leave. Or that they just do seems leave. that just seems like character wise, you would maybe like maybe if the other daughter had like one of the, the other daughter's seven leave. years old. She's traumatized. Her name is Claire. She changes her name. And now in the present, twenty years later, that's who Alicia Debnam Carey plays. She's like trying to figure out answers right. because she stumbles upon one of the two people that her uh, that her sister was last seen with working as a cab driver. He doesn't recognize her, and now she's stalking him. Mm, okay, I was wondering where the criminal aspect was going to come into play. Yeah, yeah, and then the last thing I'll say that's different about the Aruba Natalie Holloway case versus this one with Allison is that the suspects have a lot of redeeming factors in this story. Hmm. They make them out to be, um, well, at least Clive, they make him out to be a good guy. Edwin, we're presented with as a nice guy to begin with, he's not a psychopath where you can kind of tell that it's all fake, but they are kind of giving you more information as the show goes on that says this guy actually isn't very loyal. He's got a lot of biases and like he's homophobic. Subtle hints. He's oh, well, he, homophobic he, is. He, he straight up like, so his friend who had a stutter, Clive, and who also wasn't as popular as him, he had kind of taken him under his wing for all these years. But then we learned that in the past, he'd also tried to like steal his girl away from him and stuff without Clive's knowledge. Mm. So there's like a lot of reasons why you don't have as much trust behind Edwin. But still, just based off these three episodes, I got the sense, the prediction that it might have actually been an accident. <clears throat> they may have gone to this bay. She may have had sex with one of them. Like that could have just happened consensually. And then an accident occurred at night and then they saw it and they knew they would be blamed for it and they had to leave. So it's not a murder. Well, it could, no, see, that's, it's funny because they declared it not a murder. They said it was an accident, but they also said that those two people weren't involved because they couldn't have made it across the island in time because the cop who was protecting the island and didn't want it to have negative publicity, who still thinks that Clive and Edwin had something to do with it, had like kind of let them off. So it's like a cycle. You're saying that you think that they want the viewer to believe it was a murder. There's a big suspect list. Like yeah. you, beyond just Edwin and Clive, you also have Tyler, who was another guy that she was uh, uh, with at the time. She was kind of a flirt. Um, and then you also have this guy with his pregnant wife who called her a cunt at one point. His name is Ethan. And he just seems like the bi biggest typical villain that you can get. And so if this was the watchful eye or a show like that, <laughs> then he would definitely be the main bad guy who was in, who had actually killed her. But I don't know. The book really didn't say it was influenced by the Natalie Holloway case. No, it didn't. Say I'm surprised. Like okay. Do you want me to get into my pros and cons? Uh, yeah, but beforehand, I actually have a game here. Two truths and a lie. You just have to figure out which one the lie is. Sure. So based on the book that was released in February 2020, the manuscript for the show went out on submission to editors in June of 2018, while at the same time being sent to production studios. The second one is so you're just saying the book before it was released it was already like looking to get made yeah okay that's what the first one is the second one is the show in canada is available on disney plus 
And the, well, that would make sense with the ABC signature thing. And the fourth one is D. Reese, who directed the first episode, has a close relationship with Ryan Coogler, who cre- who created uh, Creed and Black Panther. Sure, sounds and believable. actually serves as her mentor. Okay, uh, so th- out of those three, mm-hmm. uh, the first one. The first one? Yeah. No, it actually has been oh, wait, like in production for okay, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and on January 24th, So which was the false one? Uh, it was the Ryan Coogler one. Actually, D. Reese, who did direct the first See, episode. you should have given me the... Because I remember the D. Reese being part of the show, so it's unfair that you actually used but, the real director. But her mentor... You got to give me some Her mentor <laughs> was actually Spike Lee. So okay. that was something that I found like ridiculous. Apparently, she is like a really well-known director. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get, I guess, big-time people for this show. And I, I hopefully, I mean, did you like the show? What would you give it? I would give the show a six out of ten. It um, passes. Yeah, it does pass. Okay, so my pros are this: there's no crawling text for the location or time period, so it's really, really unexpected when you get these time jumps happening all the time. It takes a little while getting used to because you don't get any indication <laughs> that you flip time, except for some of the characters are older. And some of the same characters have, in the non-linear timeline, go by different names. So you have Claire turning into Emily, which you don't really realize they're the same person until later on <laughs> in the first episode. You have Clive and Gogo because Gogo is just his nickname because he had a stutter, and so he was like, "Go, go, go, go." Right on, w- on Wikipedia, kid. it's Clive Gogo Richardson. Yeah, the yeah. Gogo in um, parentheses yeah. or whatever. Right? Um, it's not cheesy. There's real drama here. I feel bad for the characters, even if I don't always agree with their actions, and a lot of the time I don't. Um, Clive is trying to be a good dad, and then watching his uh, baby mama like go off with his like main nemesis um that isn't edwin is pretty funny but also sad uh it's got a smallish consolidated cast which i like kind of like an apple show where you can really name them all off at the end it it will sound like a lot of names but it really isn't you have emily who's the main one edwin who's not portrayed uh as an older version of himself so i don't know if he's in jail in the future like clive we've seen so you don't see but we don't yeah but that's because he wouldn't be in new york anyways so even he could just be hanging out in the Caribbean still, I don't know. Then you have Dana, Josh, the lawyer boyfriend who is in the present timeline, Dr. Norton, who is the shrink of Emily, and then Sarah, who is the baby mama I just talked about, Desmond, One-Eye Mike, who is a drug dealer, Detective Roy, that's the one who let off the the main cop, Um, Olivia, Wes, Sunita, Bill, and Mia, who are the parents. Um, So yeah, it was pretty easy after three episodes to know who every single person was. When you were talking about the timeline, I just wanted to mention that that is actually something that was different from the TV series and the book. The timeline and the books are kept separate and separated by vignettes rather than the series, which splits the story, I believe, into four narratives. Yeah, and it's it's all over the place, never letting you know when it's switching. The only thing you can kind of guess is because one's an island, one's New York, but sometimes the islands have separate timelines, so... They shot the past timeline, which was in the Dominican Republic first, and then they decided to just move it to the actual on location in New York. Yeah, Flatbush, right? Yeah. Because that's a big deal is that it's a Caribbean a Caribbean neighborhood, and, uh, and it's also reminding me of Flatbush Misdemeanor. <laughs> Another show it reminds me of a lot is White Lotus, because in the island itself... Um, which has a flower blooming title animation whenever they show uh, this, the the name of the show Saint X yeah. because that is again again a connection to Saint Martin I would think because of the yeah the the amount of families there are really there not that many so when I say there's a small cast I also mean that there really are only like four or five couples on the island which makes no sense if you were to compare it to Aruba <laughs> because Aruba is just 
filled with tourists. So that's what you mean by White Lotus. Yeah, I know that some reviews are saying it was a White Lotus-esque. I'm surprised. Well, it's a, it's a super wealthy group. Like, all the kids go to Yale or, or Princeton right. and stuff like that. In fact, she loses, Allison loses her Princeton pants, and that's never brought up again, which makes me think that someone stole them, which makes me think that it might have been Ethan, the creepy dude, and he might be the killer. But I don't know. <laughs> Wait, That's sorry. just a theory. Yeah. Sorry, did you say, what What did you say, pants? Her Princeton pants. Her Princeton pants? Her, her, yeah, her pants yeah, that, that just say Princeton <laughs> on the back. Oh, she was looking for them, and she was just like, oh, I always lose these things. But whenever you hear something like that in a TV show or movie, it always comes back later on. You know? I'm just surprised that you're saying that it seems like there wasn't that many people because I know they added characters for this show. Like, for example, Emily Thomas in the book is isolated, and she only has one friend named Jackie. In the series, they Jackie... They her a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, well, Jackie is replaced by Sunita, and the boyfriend and therapist were added characters. Not the boyfriend and therapist. Not like they're one character, but no, yeah, the boyfriend two, and two the therapist. Two different characters. Yeah. And also, TV Emily had a harder time with mental health than in the book. I yeah, think that, she has a real hard time with Yeah, and I think that they did She's that. She's also an editor, which is really funny to me, because, like, she was in the hospital, apparently, two years earlier, because of her mental health issues and now she's like working in new york city as a film editor and she has oh, no problem getting editor. it yeah so there's this scene there's a funny moment where there i know that there's an editor who's actually working on this footage who's editing an editor getting bored of editing bare footage wait is this and, like a documentary yes i like behind this that's what she, that's her that's her job <laughs> that's is to what do she's doing bare okay. editing so she's working <laughs> on that and she gets bored and then she starts googling her sister the other pro that i had before i get to the cons though is that it looks cool because the beaches and new york city and all of it it looks very nice the tv show there's nothing about it that looks cheap i know that it only took about like three or four months to actually shoot the whole series wow that's that's the it's eight episodes what? yeah it's eight episodes yeah right? that's actually pretty impressive because didn't pandora like take a couple months to shoot You're pandora saying, yeah remember the, <laughs> the whole thing was that they could get it done super quickly and that's right. why they kept on checking out yeah. seasons of it I, I don't know that just seems like a really quick timeline to work on my cons though here we go so there's a lot of inconsistent logic. I said already that Clive now works as a taxi driver and he's working this shift when Emily or Claire in the past uh, realizes or recognizes who he right. is, thinks, oh, you're the guy who killed my sister. And then she decides to plant her phone in his car. And she does so by putting it under the floor mat. But she doesn't completely stick it under there. She only puts it halfway under, so it's very glaringly, like, still sticking out. And she's in a taxi cab, so, and it's still the beginning of the day. So she leaves the taxi cab with her phone in there. Clearly, any passenger who would go in there next would see it. That doesn't happen. No one sees it. No one steals it. It never rings or pings. Like, he never realizes it's in the cabin. That's just so unbelievable, given that in ta the taxis in New York are very well, like, used. <laughs> and so, like, you think that he would have noticed it before she called later on that night. And you're saying someone can just clearly see it. Right? Yeah, it's like, sticking out there. It's got a white little cover, too. Um, and then later on, Emily is clearly still obsessed with this trauma that has uh, messed with her for 20 years. As, again, she was hospitalized for it. Her friends are very aware of it. So is her boyfriend. They're her support group. Group and she's but but then she says at one point that she's avoided ever going online to see what they've said about her sister in this case, which makes no sense if she's been obsessed with it. Like that would be the first thing that especially someone would do. when someone yeah when they add more mental health to TV Emily you would think that she would just be like always. When you say online. they add more mental health, I meant I thought that you meant that they made her crazier. But you're saying they actually made her sane her? No 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 harder time with mental health. Oh, they harder time make with her that. crazier. That's why I'm saying yes. it seems like if someone.
someone was crazy involved with this case. Like, if this was the just... first time that she's opening that can of worms, I would get it. Yeah, okay, she finally decided it. But, but that's not where they were going. They said that she was hospitalized two years ago for anxiety and the same type of stuff. Yeah, you would think she'd be constantly searching the internet for yeah. anything new. Yeah, it was weird. Um, and then they also have her have a tick when she's younger. Even before her sister, anything happens to her, she likes to write on her arm as opposed to speaking, like with her finger. And they also gave Clive a stutter, which they continually go back to over the three episodes. He does stutter a lot. I like that. But with Emily's tick, it disappeared after the first episode. And <laughs> they never get one back to it. Yeah, again. it was like, let's add this character element so that we can combine Clive and Emily, like two sides of the same co uh, coin together. Like they're connected in a right. way. They're both sort of shy. They're both sort of, uh, they've got these ticks and the, uh, they're around extroverts i mean there's a bunch of connections to them i think even the cover of the beginning uh, title card is their two faces kind of back to back mm. but but whatever yeah so those are the inconsistent logic points it kind of leaves me sad the whole show does like i'm watching a true crime show like girl from plainville so yes i saw a lot of reviews compare it to girl from plainville as mm -hmm, well mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that didn't make me that was a con for me uh the character development is what this show is all about it's less we know what happened to allison again so it's really just slowly plodding through these characters and i like the cast i like the portrayal indigo bay clive is and and futuristic stoic clive that's a really good like they do a good casting of those two they they seem like the same person but at the same time so very different and like grown but there's also a lot of cliche personalities that they even mock within it like for instance the archetype rich conceited white assholes there's a ton of them in this show all the staff secretly laughing behind their backs at them um literally they shoehorn a gay couple in there for no reason because everybody else is a suspect but these two dudes they're comic relief and but like if they end up being the killers, I will eat my foot. Like it's in, <laughs> it, like that's the only purpose they're there is to serve as jokes. And so I guess they do lighten it up. It just feels like their characters are kind of typecast for that. Even the main characters with their depth, um, with the exception of Edwin, because we are I feel like learning more about him as the show goes on. They've all been defined. And so you get this focus that's placed on everyone and not the event. And you kind of all want to hear about the event. So like, unlike that Dear Edward, where it was really dramatic because you saw the effect that this tragedy had on people's lives, right. you sort of gotten that story already. So it would have been, made a better movie, I think. So quick, quick question. Would it have been better if they hadn't shown you the fate of Allison right off the bat, maybe? No, I think what happened here is that unlike with the book where they can really just concentrate on the characters and give you insight that way and like you said they didn't do the non-linear uh storytelling that they do here w what happens is we get superfluous scenes in the tv show where it just reinforces what we already know you constantly get scenes of allison being a flirt her being a good sister her having extraordinary potential you see edwin being a bad influence in a ton of scenes the clientele at the resort being uh, entitled narcissist you get emily having trouble processing her meeting with clive emily having trouble telling her boyfriend and friend about following clive emily stalking clive like just so many repetitive scenes of the characters doing the same thing that it turns out to be super long and a little weak the, the show is said to be tedious do you want me to get into the reviews for the show um last thing last yeah. con that i got is it's kind of like kaleidoscope when they did the non-linear timeline and that when, when i say that i mean that you can either when you shoot a show out of order and then you show it to an audience out of order it either has to be done meticulously to become a genius level yeah. show or it has to be just super simple so that it's digestible <laughs> and that people can understand it without getting
getting confused. It sounds and like they what went, you're saying is it's They convoluted. went with the other one. No, no, it's not convoluted. It's really, really super simple. <laughs> it's just that they they decided that, well, in order to tell a simple story, we're going to concentrate on these characters. And by doing that, we're going to restrict the plot to the simplest, basic, like, murder. That's what happened. We're going to only tell you at the very ending episode. <laughs> so I expect that last episode will be the one that reveals exactly what happened to uh, Allison and that anybody wanting to watch the show can really just watch the first one and the last one and they'll probably get the full picture. But you're still going to give it a passing grade. Yeah, I mean, again, the show looks nice. It's got good acting in it. Uh, it, The first episode, I would say, is probably the best of the three. Um, But uh, yeah, still a 6 out of 10. Okay, yeah, I mean, it has a 6.3 on IMDb, a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw that. However, the audience score is a 95%. However, that's with less than 50 reviews. Views, mm-hmm. so you can't really judge it on that. The critical consensus read kind of what you were talking about: a tedious crawl to an unsatisfying destination. Well, I don't know what the destination is yet. Like, I'm yeah, curious I, I what know. they end up showing being the reason why she died. But like I said in the first episode, after that one, I was like fairly certain it was just an mm-hmm. accident that people were going to end up being blamed for. I do know just based off indicators that Emily and Clive will she will not end up hating Clive. Like right now, her plan is to get close to him like manipulate him and then get her, him to tell her what happened. And it, by doing that, she'll learn that he actually wasn't like a bad dude. The actor that played Clyde. Yeah, Which Clyde, one? Uh, the, the younger one or the older one the or older the really one. younger one? I think the older one. He had one of my favorite audition stories. Apparently he sent in his self tape, but he works as a waiter. And then like he got a call, but he still was on the job at the time. So he had to go down to the basement of the restaurant and do like a Zoom call with the director. Honestly, and that then, feels like it probably... Probably was the middle Clive, which is the one that was around when she died, when Allison died. Okay, and it's probably that because one. Because he's but... the one who works as a waiter. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> hotel staff. Okay, but yeah, T's called an unsatisfying destination. Saying X only marks time instead of hitting the spot. And I did want to say that the author for the book actually wasn't involved in the TV adaptation at all. She's only listed as an executive producer, but again, that's going to happen whenever they take your work and decide to adapt it into anything. I also, I thought of one last con. (laughs) So usually if you get like scenes where two people don't speak English as their first language, they'll speak their first language first, right? That doesn't happen here. Everybody's speaking English almost (laughs) all the time. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> and it would have the accents, but, like, just saying, like, you could have just thrown in some subtitles at certain points. Yeah. Okay. So, I know that Roger Ebert gave the series two out of four stars, and then the AV Club gave the show a C, writing the main two, Denim, Carrie, and Bonzi, lacked the dangerous chemistry needed to make this thriller more like a gripping two-hander, and then decider said skip it. So, I mean, overall, it's kind of gotten negative reviews. Okay. Kevin. I mean, yeah, six out of ten isn't great, but, I, again, I don't think it's a total fail. Um, and I also think that it definitely is influenced by the Natalie Holloway case. That's why I came away mostly because I was just sad by, by the end. It wasn't like depression sadness, like the dear Edward sadness that I had after watching that show. But it was one where I was like, this does not leave me in a good mood. I don't think I'm going to continue. So it's a downer a little bit. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.